Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 64 of Boston's Best. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is Spencer Mahoney. Spencer is the VP of Operations at Atomic Coffee Roasters. Atomic Cafe was initially born in 1996 by Spencer's two uncles in Beverly. After a couple decades, they decided to roast coffee for their own shops, and that's how Atomic Coffee Roasters was born. Spencer says they've been around for 25 years, but feel like a startup as they've really developed and scaled to this business model. In this episode, we talk in depth about the full production process of roasting coffee and making that cold brew and nitro cold brew. Spencer says their coffee comes from all over the world and is always a specialty grade, as well as ethically and carefully sourced. All of their coffee is roasted to order and packaged by hand at their roastery in Salem. Spencer tells us that for the second year in a row, they're coming out with a Halloween blend called Witch City. This year, it's a collaboration with a 10-year-old artist from Salem. On the label, there are illustrations of a witch and a bat that she created. Doing collaborations, creating special releases, and having strong relationships with the likes of Stop and Shop and Whole Foods has really driven the growth they've experienced over the last few years. And be sure to listen to the end. As Spencer shares the advice he'd give to someone looking to start their own business, what he'd tell his 18-year-old self, and how he defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning. This week, we have Spencer Mahoney. Spencer is the VP of Operations for Atomic Coffee Roasters. How are you, man? Hey, what's going on, Mark? Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Excited to have you guys on here. I came across you on Instagram. and I guess, I mean, everybody comes across everybody on Instagram these days. So uh, love what you guys are doing. It seems a little different than a traditional coffee shop type of spot. So excited to dive into it and just learn more about you guys. Yeah, definitely. So tell us like a little bit about yourself initially. Like, Are you from Mass, Salem area or... Yep. Um, I grew up in Marblehead. I've been somewhat involved in coffee my whole life. Both of my parents were entrepreneurs and my mom has always had coffee shops growing up, uh, not related to Atomic. So I always uh, had some kind of job there, whether it be starting as a dishwasher, prep cook, eventually barista, manager, things like that. Growing up, I was into like skateboarding, snowboarding, extreme kind of sports. And that turned more into like running, mountain biking in my uh, older age here. <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just, I just had a, uh, I just had a kid about eight weeks ago. So I'm feeling Congrats. Uh, a little sleep deprived and older these days. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. My, I, my child is due, uh, October 30th. So coming up my first child. That's awesome. so I'll, uh, yeah. Congrats. yeah thank, I'll be reaching out to you, uh, to ask yeah. that you get through the sleep deprivation. Cause I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do it. Yeah. Coffee. Coffee. He's going to, I'm a coffee roasters. That only goes so far, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how long have you been with Atomic Coffee Roasters now? Um, So I have been with Atomic Coffee Roasters for a little over three years. Just to give a a little bit of a background, Atomic Coffee Roasters really uh, was born from Atomic Cafe, uh, which had three cafes on the North Shore, Beverly, uh, Marblehead, and Newburyport. And those were founded by my uncles. And I actually worked at Atomic Cafe in Marblehead also when I was in high school and college. So, okay. Yep. And then I, I 
come back since uh, in the last couple of years. Those were really cafe focused. Um, and then my uncle started roasting along the way. And three years ago, basically, we split the roasting division from the cafe. Uh, and my dad got involved and my brother got involved. And so this is just a big family yeah. operation over here. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. so the three cafes now, is it just one location for coffee roasters? For Atomic Cafe, yeah. There's one location in Beverly. One location in Beverly. Got yeah. it. Okay, cool. So yeah, so you were there for a little bit, sounded like in your early 20s. And yeah. then now you've taken on more of a full-time role throughout the company? Yeah. Correct. Yep. Nice, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, did you picture yourself ever getting into the coffee industry or just the entrepreneurial? It sounds like it was kind of in your blood based on your parents. And then this yeah. was just a good opportunity that presented itself. Yeah, it's funny, like growing up, I, if you grow up with two parents that are entrepreneurs, you don't know anything else, yeah. right? So I was just like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. You, you know, you start working for yourself and people work for you versus the opposite. Um, so growing up, I, I didn't really know what industry necessarily I wanted to be in. I definitely knew that I wanted to be uh, somewhat of an entrepreneur. I was always really into marketing and, and art and videography and stuff like that. So that was another kind of like direction I thought that I could go. But yeah, coffee specifically, I mean, I've always been around it. Uh, but like when this opportunity presented itself, it wasn't like I was constantly like looking to be in the world of coffee. It's just yeah. what happened. And I'm pretty happy that it did because now I can't really see myself being outside of coffee in terms of a career. Yeah, seriously. I uh, It's funny too, because before I got into the industry, I'm in now, I never drank coffee. I'm like my first, my first, I would say my second cup of coffee ever was about five years ago. And I just never wow. got into it. And then, you know, as you study like, you know, getting all these licenses and all these exams on a computer, just staring at the computer in the middle of the night. Like I'm just falling asleep, staring at it. And then I finally got into coffee. Now, every single day I start with a cup of coffee, literally I'm just addicted to it. It's, and I feel like great. it doesn't even do anything for me at this point. I need like an extra dosage because my body is so used to it. Yeah. It's less about the effects. And honestly, it's just more like a ritual yeah. ritual or a routine in your day. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. You you do a lot for Atomic, right? So, like, what are you, what are the overall roles you do under the umbrella of VP of Ops? Um, yeah, so it's kind of a funny transition of what my role has been here. Yeah. Uh, when we started, I think there were uh, eight employees, and now there are seventeen. And in a small business, uh, obviously, you wear a lot of hats. And so, originally, I got pulled in as the marketing guy. Spent a lot of time where I, I was really into obstacle course racing and running. And I started basically like as Instagram was blowing up, I was like promoting myself and learned a lot about how to use social media from that. Then basically learned how to transition that knowledge into uh, marketing for a business. So my family's like, oh yeah, Spencer's the marketing guy. We need him in on this. So that was my original uh, role. And then basically... I would also do everything involved with the website, new products, customers reaching out, whatnot. Uh, and so people would reach out and be like, Hey, my order, uh, I ordered it Thursday. I don't see it yet. What's up? And I was like, Okay, I don't, I need to like understand more about the business and what's going on to be able to answer these questions. Or like, Hey, I ordered this coffee. I want to brew it for Chemex. Like, what should the brew time be? And I'm like, I know nothing about that. So um, I, I started diving more into the company and like trying to gain my knowledge because I hate talking about something that I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and really long story short, that turned into me 
ended up being the general manager of our roastery, being in charge of a crew of five or six guys there, learning how to roast, learning every part of uh, what we do as a business, all the while still creating content for social media and running Facebook ads and email campaigns and stuff like that. Uh, and so now we just opened a new roastery. It's probably eight times the size of our uh, previous roastery. We've, oh, been wow. bursting, we've been bursting at the seams for a while. We still have the other roastery and that's uh, turning more into like a s- smaller batch uh, and training lab kind of area. Okay. So now I basically oversee production in these two facilities. Plus we have a cold brew specific facility as well. Uh, so three facilities, like I said, team of 17, and I'm splitting my time between, you know, making sure orders get fulfilled, uh, making sure that if somebody calls out at one facility, we plug and play somebody else over there for the day. Yeah. Uh, and then the other half of my job is still content creation, social media, marketing, email campaigns, everything to do with our website and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot and it's diverse role that you can't really uh, sum up in a title. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> VP of Ops just categorizes yeah. everything. Uh, All encompassing. Yeah. So I'd love to pick your brain on just the social media aspect of it. Like certain, yep. like, you know, I've heard certain things, like, I feel like Instagram's the go-to. I could be wrong. You'd be the yep. expert, but like, I've heard Facebook's like dead. Do like, do like boosted ads really work on Facebook? Like what's your, like, what have you found to be a good source of marketing versus just like not worth the time and money? Um, it definitely depends on what industry you're in. I am, I'm definitely a person to admit when I know some things and don't know other things. So I'm, I'm always trying to learn, uh, in my background and what I do feel strongest at has always been like the content creation side and organic social and like trying to tell a story and trying to highlight what our brand is about and show off new products and show off the team and things like that. So that's where I feel most comfortable. The thing that has not come supernaturally to me is like the ads and algorithms and paid search and stuff like that. Um, So I didn't really dive into a lot of that for a while because I, I hate to spend money on something that I don't feel super confident that I'm going to make the return on. But funny enough, I have literally a week ago, I just decided I'm like, I'm up at 2am every every night with my son Camden. And I've got one hand available. And I'm like, how do I be as productive as possible in this (laughs) moment? Because I'm watching so much TV. And I've never been a big TV person that I'm like, I'm going insane. I gotta, I gotta figure out something to do productive with this time. So I've actually been watching a lot of social media videos and like getting better at the things that I'm, I'm not as strong at. I've actually am plotting out like our first kind of big, bigger like Facebook ad campaign instead of just boosting stuff here and there. And and when new products come out, like I'm like looking month by month and starting to actually plot some stuff out here. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, kudos to you for being doing work at 2 a.m. when you're feeling <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I'm up early myself, but I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Well, that's 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 up late, not early. Usually, I'm I get to sleep after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I got the I got the I got the like 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift, and then I I sleep in the bed from 3 a.m. to 7 or 8 these days. So. Uh, Yes, yeah. it's funny because I'm like the exact opposite. I'm up at like four o'clock in the morning every day. I go to bed at like nine. 
And that's just yeah. Crazy. And it's, well, it's weird. Cause that's how I always have been too. And it just, you know, splitting time, watching our son at night. That's, yeah. I feel more rested, uh, having the sleep in the morning than I did like waking up at 3am and then staying up from 3am to, you know, 8pm. Yeah. Uh, so we experimented and this is what feels yeah. better, but yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. That's cool. So let's get into atomic itself. A couple of things I'm just curious about, like I was, you know, like I was telling you we're on, I was on your website. You guys have cans, like you have a canning line, all the different, like you said, you have like a, like a, the smaller facility uses like the test facility. We test yep. a bunch of different flavors. Like this sounds like a brewery with like coffee, like the concept mm-hmm. you have canning lines, you have different flavors that you're trying out. Like get us, give us a little background on just how you guys go about different flavors, the the process of roasting. I, I know none of this. So yeah, I'd be curious, sure. like, you know, for yeah. listeners. I was literally just walking through uh, somebody that was here to help us with our drains or something. And they're like, do you have a roaster here? And I'm like, yeah. And I like showed them and I'm ex- it's, it's always fun explaining to somebody that has no idea. It's crazy how popular coffee is. And most people yeah. don't really know anything about coffee. Yeah. But yeah, so basically we're, we're a coffee roaster. So first and foremost, we roast coffee that we'll put into 12 ounce, two pound or five pound bags. And we sell those in lots of different channels from local cafes and restaurants to local grocery stores, schools and office buildings. And then from there, we have a cold brew facility where we take that roasted coffee. It looks like a beer brewery, like you're saying. Uh, we basically steep it for 24 hours, filter it, and then that ends up going into kegs or uh, cans. We have a canning line. And so kegs, we will distribute around the Boston area to cafes, restaurants, schools, and offices, like I said. And then cans, same thing. Those can be at different cafes and grocery stores and whatnot. Wow. So yeah, we're definitely a production uh, based company. Uh, we make everything ourselves, uh, which is definitely a big difference between a lot of other companies kind of in our field. Uh, and especially the scope of everything that we do. Like there are a lot of people that roast coffee. There's people that make cold brew and there's people that are in some of those different channels that I mentioned, but we're definitely unique in the fact that we're making everything in house and we have that many different channels that we're selling to. Yeah, seriously. How many different flavors do you do you guys have at any given moment, roughly? Yeah. So for coffee itself, we usually have like 15 to 20 different roasts. So we don't do flavored coffee. Like you're not we're not gonna have like a French vanilla coffee, but like different, you know, light roasts, medium roast, dark roast, single origins, stuff like that. I don't even know what a single origin is. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a coffee that comes from one place. So it's yeah, like it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like one farm in Colombia made this coffee versus a blend would be like okay. um, we're putting some Colombian with some Ethiopian coffee to make it ter- taste a different way. Interesting. So where do you get your where does your coffee come in from? Where do you guys get it? Is it all over? Yeah, all over the world. A lot of uh, so coffee in general grows near the equator. So a lot of Central American and South American coffees, and then a lot of African coffees. Do you have a favorite? Um, I love that we have uh, rotating, like limited series of coffees, uh, and those are mostly single origins. So you know, I like stuff new. So like right now, we have a natural coffee from Honduras that I really love. Um, and now that this is my second full year of being in charge of like what coffees we're bringing in and whatnot. So we're starting to bring in like 
the same coffees, you know, some of the same coffees we brought in last year, which is like fun to look forward to those coffees coming back around. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. How many, how about the the cold brew? How many different types of cold brew do you guys have? We only normally do two. Uh, we have a, a, a regular cold brew and a nitro cold brew. The nitro is really nice when you pour out into a glass, it cascades and gives you like a mouth feel texture, like a Guinness. And then cold brew is just really nice, uh, like over ice or with milk or sugar or however you drink it. And then right now, uh, we have a limited release cold brew. This is our first time ever doing that, but it's actually the Honduras, uh, natural coffee. I was just talking about, we actually cold brewed that coffee and, uh, have that in a can and we just did one run and when it's done, it's done. So looking forward to like starting to do some like limited release stuff over in our cold brew facility, not just at the roastery. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. What's how different, like how different is the process? with just, you know, with the beans and then with the cold brew, like, how do you take, you just said you'd take it in, and turn it into cold brew. Yeah. Uh, how does that, what's that process like? Is that yeah. So, so, um, really quick from like when coffee comes in a burlap bag to the roastery to it, leaving the cold brew facility in a can, yeah. it's like coffee comes in a roaster is basically, I'm going to give like the shortest, most like simple simplified version of this ever right so coffee comes in a roaster is basically a barrel that's constantly turning with a flame under it you put coffee beans in you keep them in there for a certain amount of time to a certain temperature and then you take them out and cool them real quick and then like that's when we would bag or grind or whatever we're doing for customers when it's going to cold brew we take that coffee we just roasted uh we grind it very coarse like we were going to make a french press Yep. Uh, we throw it into tanks uh, that look just like you would see at a brewery. We let it steep in water for 24 hours under cold conditions. And then in basically in the morning or after 24 hours, we pull the liquid, keep the grounds inside the tank, and then uh, it goes down a canning line just like beer would. Okay. How long is that process from like start to end? Uh, a roast takes 12 to 14 minutes per... That's it? per one roast and then cold brew takes, you know, from when you start grinding it to throw it in and brew it and into a canning line, that probably takes like 36 hours, obviously not of like constant work, but like 24 hours if it is just sitting. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. I had no idea the roasting part was that fast. I just assumed. Yeah. But yeah. And so, yeah. And so our, our day is really made up of like, okay, we have to do three roasts of Rocketeer. We have to do, a roast of black velvet. We have to do a, a half roast of uh, this Ethiopian, and uh, and then we make sure that all you know the coffees are staying separate and going to where they're supposed to go. Interesting. Okay. How do you guys find yourselves getting into? I guess like so many different avenues. And what supermarkets are you in specifically? Like I live in Framingham, so like mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to go down the coffee aisle. But are you in like the Stop and Shop in Framingham, or uh, we are in Stop and Shop in the Northeast. Yep. That's oh, like wow. the that's like the one big cro- grocery store that we're in. Uh, right. We're in about fifteen or twenty Whole Foods. We're not in the Framingham one. When people ask like what has you know what has made you different, it's hard to it's hard to like um, explain like you know what makes you different from this person, this person in terms of like the coffee itself because like there's so many people out there making and roasting coffee. But what makes us different as a business, I think, is really like our team first and foremost we have 
a really good mix of like all different types of personalities and skill sets. So I feel like most of the time with coffee roasters and especially with cold brew companies, they are either a really good, they're really good at business and not super into the craft or they're super into the craft and not very good at business. Um, and we really like meet both of them right in the middle where we're like, you know, we're, we're making everything ourselves. We're really like producing, we're crafters at, at, at first and foremost, but then like we, you know, we're trying to grow. We're looking at this, like a real business. Yep. We have salespeople, we have goals and uh, revenue targets and all these different things, uh, which I think is what is allowing us to continue to grow in a mul- you know, multiple different channels and also uh, make sure that we're still producing great coffee that people are enjoying at home every day. Yeah. And not for nothing, I don't know if this is just me like being visual, but you know, when I think of coffee, right? Like Growing up, you hear if my father had Folgers, right? Like you guys are just like the cool coffee company. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got the name Atomic is cool. Uh, the logo is pretty cool. You know, and then if a coffee company be active on social media, that's just where all like the target audience is right now too. Like you guys are like the cool coffee company. You've been around forever with the name Atomic, but you know, like we had chatted about, you guys kind of treat yourselves like a startup. Yeah, correct. Yeah, just trying to keep reinventing ourselves and. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, my my uncle and my dad are are the owners of the company, but honestly, they let a team of like five or six 24 to 30 year olds literally run every aspect of the business. So it's fun. It's like I'm I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm but I'm not. I'm not the owner of the business, but every day I make decisions about what direction we're going without having to, you know, report to anybody or, yeah. uh, you know, discuss with five people to come up with a vote and all these things. Like we're just making stuff happen every day, which is really why I enjoy coming to work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good on them too, you know, to have that the 24 to 30 year olds do all of this stuff because you're in front of people your age who you're trying to get to versus, <laughs> you know. I don't know how old your uncles are, but I imagine they're at least in their fifties, right? So like, sure. they're, you're you're able to connect with the younger audience than someone in their fifties or sixties maybe will connect with, yeah, you know, just through social media channels. So for sure, would you have like any upcoming? So I I love the limited release idea because I think my mind again going back to like the brewery concept, like people love that type of thing. Yeah. They love grabbing the limited releases. Like we're in fall, the amount of like pumpkin spice latte, Dunkin' Donuts things that I've seen on social media is like all over the place. People love this stuff. Do you have any special cool things like coming up in the month of October? Yeah. So we don't, like I said, we don't do flavored coffee. So we don't have a pumpkin spice uh, coffee (laughs) coming out in October. Uh, The thing I am excited about is this will be our second year coming out with a Halloween blend. Our original roastery uh, now the the smaller roastery of the two is in Salem. Um, And that's really where we have our roots in terms of roasting. So the blend is called Witch City, uh, in its collaboration with Georgia Wren, who's a 10 year old artist from Salem. Uh, so on the label, there are these like illustrations of a witch and a bat that Georgia draws. And then she puts them on like t-shirts and pins and stuff. No way. Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like teaming up with a, a young local artist from Salem and then like proceeds of the bag go to uh her college fund basically so no way yeah yeah that's really cool especially yeah. for a 10 year old i know yeah. you know what i mean like yeah I she that... she yeah she kills it yeah i wasn't that cool when i was 10 
I know, literally. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm that cool now. Good for her. That's awesome. Are there any like misconceptions about just the coffee industry in general, like myths or misconceptions? That's a tough one. About the industry itself, I'm not sure. I don't know why this is coming to mind. This may be, I don't know, this this might not be what you're looking for at all. But the biggest mis- the biggest misconception, I think, or the thing that I run into the off the, the most often about like people asking questions in coffee yeah. is um like the word strong when it comes to coffee. Okay. You're like, oh, that's so strong, or like how strong is your coffee? Yeah. Uh, which is a really fun, funny uh adjective in coffee because like most of the time what they're talking about is either like it's dark or literally the amount of coffee per water ratio are the things that make something strong but like when people talk about it they're like it's like i have a a strong meter on the on the roaster and i'm like (laughs) this one's gonna be strong and i'm gonna set it to that Uh, so it's always funny like especially you know i used to do a lot of like whole foods demos and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's funny, like fielding questions to a lot of the general public when they come, come with questions like that. But that yeah. that's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, yeah. Cause when you say the sword strong, I get what I think people are asking, like how yeah. much, maybe how much caffeine is it or something like that. But if you have a dark roast, people associate that with being stronger than a light roast, even if it just has the same amount of caffeine in it. Correct. You know, it's just a different yeah. roast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, different. That's that's funny. <laughs> so, what do you guys see for the future of Atomic? Right? I mean, you started off with some cafes. Now you now you've turned into this, and you've got another bigger production facility. Like, what do you guys see for the future? How, and how and how long ago did Atomic like coffee roasters born from cafe? Like, how long ago was that? So, Atomic coffee roasters split or was born from Atomic Cafe three and a half, four years ago. Okay. I think that, you know, I don't know if you're going to ask a COVID question, but this kind of like goes into the whole thing. Really, it was kind of interesting when we split, a lot of our business was really cold brew kegs going to offices. It was like the lowest hanging fruit in terms of like being a cold brew facility. And I would say that when COVID uh, really hit, that was probably 50 to 60% of our business. And then all of a sudden there was no such thing as people going to offices. So we had this production facility that, you know, we built out to be constantly, you know, working and and like, we really didn't have a lot of places to actually be sending cold brew at that time. So we did a lot of pivoting and like, like I was saying, we were really lucky that we are in so many sales channels because it's like, okay, these two are dead but like these other three are now coming alive even more so. So let's just double down and triple down on those cafes, like not our own, but like other cafes locally that we supply with coffee, they were hit pretty hard at first. And then they started, you know, coming back. And as they were, it's like, we just decided we're like in a post COVID world. That's where we're going to really focus. We hired, uh, literally, literally two weeks before like the the pandemic really started we hired a wholesale development manager for local cafes and restaurants in the area ellen and she still thanks us for like keeping her on and like actually like bringing her in because like there were no cafes she was reaching out to for the first (laughs) month you know you know it's like so rewarding having local cafe partnerships uh with like other local business owners that we talk to and see on a weekly basis. It's so much more fun and like rewarding than it is supplying an office or like having 
coffee in the Framingham Stop and Shop. No offense. Yeah. So, so that's really where we are like pushing our focus right now. We ha- we just hired another salesperson for Southern Massachusetts and like into Rhode Island and Connecticut. Yep. And that's where we're really hoping to just like start growing our reach. I think that because we have so many channels and we, we do so many things at once, it's almost like every kind of incremental growth that we have helps the rest of the channels. It's yeah. like we move into this new territory and people start seeing it at cafes and then it's in the local Whole Foods. And then, you know, they're seeing it, they go to Instagram, they're seeing what we're doing. Like, I think they all really like help scale it itself. So our nucleus is Salem and the North Shore. And I think the future for us is just starting and starting to broaden that reach a bit. Yeah. You got, you're like, you're omnipresent, right? Like you got a little bit everywhere and that's going to yep. help you extend out of not only the North shore, but eventually out of Massachusetts yep. and get into new England and things are just going to slowly, slowly, but surely just continue to get bigger. And it's good. You're doing things systematically like that too. Cause sometimes companies can get, can do so well to start and they try to go too big too quickly and it just ends up backfiring on them. So you guys are doing things really organically. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely had some, some challenges and some fails in the beginning. Like we signed on with like a huge distributor early on to bring our cold brew to New York and like the whole East coast. And we ended up like, you know, eating a lot of money on product that went bad and didn't get the sell through that we were looking for and everything. So oh, okay. we, we went back to, okay, like, what do we actually want to focus on? How do we actually want to grow? And same thing. It's like, we're not like a traditional like CPG company where it's like, how many doors can we get in? How many, you know, how many, uh, what's the sell through rate, you know, per store. It's like that helps because we are in some grocery stores, but that's not our focus is like, you know, getting into Publix in Florida, at least right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not anytime soon, but no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I I totally get that. That'd be cool, man. That'd be cool. I'll keep, I'm going to have to keep an eye out. I would go to a stop and shop and frame him at least a week. So now I have a reason to Go down the coffee. Go down that aisle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. I'll, be, I'll tag you guys soon. And yeah, the next question I was going to ask was how did COVID impact you guys? Like, how did you pivot from it? I think you pretty much just covered that. Anything else that outside of COVID, out, anything else related to COVID that comes top mind that impacted you guys? Or I think that the two other things were number one, like we have a canning line, we're making uh, cans of cold brew and all of a sudden like that was the one product the most that was like where are we selling this now and so our team like in two weeks we're like figuring out okay how do we ship cold brew to a, straight to a customer like what are the materials we need to actually keep it cold because our cans have to stay refrigerated so it's like ice packs packaging boxes what's the cost going to be through UPS like how do we eat some of that cost. So it's not a shock to the customer when they yeah. pay for it online. We were doing, and we like, we have some rock stars on our team where it's like the orders that come in through our website, we, you know, we were basically looking through it like, okay, that person ordered cold brew. They're in Waltham. We're going by that area on Wednesday. Like we're going to deliver it in our van instead of paying the $15 for UPS yeah. to ship it, you know? So that, and then as well, as well as like our website sales, like when, up like 400% in like two months. And it has not gone down from there, which which has been huge. It's not like it like spiked and now it's gone back to normal. It's like, it's definitely, I mean, it's a little, uh, 
I've definitely had to work harder for it as a marketer than the first like two months where people sure. are like, Oh my God, I'm not leaving the house. Send it to me. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that has been the other big thing that's come out of COVID is like way more focus on our website and shipping directly to customers. That's cool, man. That's awesome. When you're not working and granted, you just said a baby. So I imagine your time is very limited, but like, yep. I don't know. I just think entrepreneurs, right? Like, do you ever picture yourself like 100% retiring down the line? Do you think you'll always have a foot? in atomic or something in some capacity? Yeah. I mean, I, I took off one full week when Camden was born and that was like huge for anybody yeah. that knows me. Yeah. I don't, I can't sit still. My, my, my brain is always, I, I, I almost associate it with like the video game mindset. Yeah. My brain is always like, you know, I got to get to level six and like, <laughs> you know, even if it's like, which is funny because I never really played video games growing up, but like I have so many things going on all the time, like to do lists in my head that like I've gotten better, but like I've gotten better at being able to relax and not constantly be like, you know, telling myself that I can't be just like hanging out. But like there's definitely a part of me that's always like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to chip away at this. And that's that gives you like a dopamine hit. And that's like, you know, something that. I enjoy just like constantly, I don't know, I love work. And that's, that's really, I think one of the, the differences of what makes somebody an entrepreneur as well. But that being said, I, I, I do have a ton of hobbies. So uh, I don't think I could do them all full time and not have anything to do with work, but I'm super into mountain biking. I'm very into running. I ran uh, the Boston marathon in 2019. Oh. Yeah. I ran a, a trail ultra marathon that year as well. Um, and it's funny with 2020, it's like, I don't really know. I didn't do any races. I haven't raced since doing a, doing that ultra marathon in August of 2019. I am going to sign up for a couple in a, in a month or two here, just cause I want to keep myself motivated now. But yeah, so I, I run, I run a lot mountain bike. I just started playing golf. So I definitely have hobbies. I just really don't have any time for yeah. most of them at this point, but a little bit here and there keep me happy. Well, if you're ever in the Framingham area, I don't know. How close is Framingham and Salem? 40? Uh, I think it's like 45 minutes yeah, or something like that. I was going to say an hour. I, you know, living in Framingham, I'm a, I'm a member at the Framingham Country Club. So like okay. I'd, I'd host you sometime if you ever wanted to come down and play. Hell yeah. Um, I love golf. I've been playing. I'm not great by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm more there for like the social aspect, like have a couple of beers and yeah, I'll hit a few good shots, but then I'll have a few holes where it's like, this is why I'm not good at golf. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm down. Yeah, man, that'd be fun. I'd be love to host you sometime. And kudos to you for enjoying running. I, I don't know, man. I enjoy working out. I throw the weights around, but for whatever reason, you'd think I like smoke like two packs a day when I run. Like after mm -hmm. like, I, I, my breathing is so bad. I need to like work with somebody on my breathing. I did do a Spartan race. A while ago, probably like six, seven years ago, it was out in Vegas. And I think it was 11 miles. And I do remember after like the second or third mile, I was running and I actually enjoyed it. I think I, my body like got used to the breathing that yeah. I needed to do. But those first couple of miles were just brutal for me. You'd like, I'm pretty athletic. And you think I was like the, like the most out of shape individual. I took a, I took a year where I was like in between, I call them, I call it a real job, but I was in between like actual, like full-time Monday through Friday jobs where I was just piecing together income from online running and obstacle coaching yeah. um, and like CrossFit coaching and, and being a sponsored athlete and stuff. And, uh, the, without knowing anything about you running or just like you saying that the one blanket piece of advice I would give you is you're running too fast. 
Like okay. everybody thinks that like uh, faster is better. And honestly, like you should be running at the pace that feels comfortable, like the majority of the time. Like you find a coasting speed and then that speed just makes you not feel like, like I could go, you find an all day speed and it's like, I'll go out for a run, whether I run four miles or eight miles or the Boston marathon. It's like, I'm like outside of like, you know, my hip or my knee or whatever, breaking down, like I could keep doing this basically all day. Okay. Fair enough. That's good to know. And truthfully, I don't run too much anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like, like I would, you know, you mentioned CrossFit. Like I was a member of at a CrossFit gym a long time ago uh, for many years until I moved to Framingham. And yeah. you know, those those four hundred meter runs was pretty much what I would do. That was like, yeah. you know, one like the ninety second to two minute mark is pretty much like what I kept doing on the four hundred meters. But I haven't oh, ran a mile except for one competition, CrossFit Southie, the Southie okay. Showdown. I don't know, twenty fifteen, maybe twenty sixteen. It was a, it was a 10 minute cap. You ran a mile and then it was many, as many clean and jerks after that. Yep. Um, I ran that mile in six thirty four. Nice. Which was, I mean, yeah, but then I was smoked after that. I did terrible yeah. in the second part. Of the <laughs> <laughs> I, came, I it was the second one in for the, for the mile. And I think I came in like 11th in the, yeah. you know, in the rest of it. Cause I was smoked, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, man. So last few questions that I like to ask every guest on here, um, given what you've learned from your uncles up to this point, like, what advice would you give somebody who's looking to start their own, their own business would be an entrepreneur? I would say learn to do as many things as you can. It's really hard to rely on other people to do things. Yeah. So I, especially like five or six years ago, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, a weakness of mine that I was basically like the jack of all trades and the master of none. Like I could, especially when it comes to marketing, it's like, I can dabble with a camera. I can, dabble with photoshop and in design and all these things but like most of the time i can't like really make it how i want it to look but like when you start off like you know you can't be paying people to do these things so it's like you gotta you gotta do what you can and then over time when you can hire people then you know how to be directing them in those different areas and and know how to communicate what you actually want to see like i don't take photos for atomic anymore because nobody wants to see my photos, honestly, (laughs) but like, I am the one that every week I'm like, you know, okay, we need this. Like, this is another product we're coming out with. What if we did this? And and I'm really like coordinating everything, but I'm not actually like putting my face behind the camera. Yeah. I think being well-rounded and then even like, as that goes into like my role, learning how to roast, it's like, it's hard to be a manager and a leader and not knowing what you're talking about in every aspect of things. So I definitely try to lead by example and and show my team that like, you know, I'm not going to do your job every day, but like on days that you're out, like I can fill in and not be like the, oh boy, the boss is here. Like it's going to take us twice as long to get anything <laughs> yeah. done today, you know? Yeah. No, that's fair. That's exactly what I was going to say. When, if you're managing and when people do step out, you know enough to help and you got a little, you know, you have experience with a little, every part of the business. And if you're a VP of operations, it makes sense that you have experience with every part of the business, you know? If you could tell your 18-year-old self one thing, what would you tell him? Uh, my 18-year-old self was uh, definitely confused at the time. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It's funny. Like I went to college, like, but I, I didn't take it seriously at all. I got in a ton of trouble in like high school and into college. I always just assumed that I was going to you know, run my own business one day, but didn't actually give any thought to like what that 
entails or like what it wants to be in or anything. I think I just tell myself honestly to like go with the flow and work hard at whatever you are doing because it's like a lot of times I want to like map out exactly what my next move is and like in a year and in five years and in 10 years and all these things. But like the journey that I've had to this point, there's no way that I could have written it out. It's like I I didn't go to school for marketing. I really honestly thought that I was going to own a cafe growing up. It's like, that's where all of my experience was, was in front, you know, behind a counter managing people. And it went from that to getting super into running to learning social media and marketing to doing that for two or three companies. And then, you know, getting pulled in to Atomic from my family for marketing. And then now it's transitioned over into, like I said, the marketing operations role, but it's like so many of the things that I'm doing in operations were things that I learned from working at a cafe yeah. and like making sure that there's no stone unturned and making sure like every uh, system we have like is dialed in and everybody knows what's going on all the time because that's like how you really need to be like a, a good well-oiled machine is like when every team member knows like what to do in every step of the process. So when somebody fills in, it's not like, well, they do it this way and this other person does it this way. So yeah, I would say that like, you know, I had so many learnings uh, in all these different things that I was doing. And at no point was I like, this is all part of the master plan, but it's like all worked out to the role that I'm in. Definitely can see how all of that is going to help me in, in you know, future uh, endeavors and moving forward. Yeah, no, I agree too. Because I was, I was an idiot when I was a teenager, like 18, like early 20s. Like I was, an, I don't think, I didn't take anything really too seriously until probably like my mid to late twenties. I mean, you know, and then certain life experiences bring you to that point, right? So you learn as you go, but uh, no, I think I agree with everything you said. So that's cool, man. Last question. Everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to them. So how do you define success? Mm, that's a good question. I think that everybody has a different answer for this. And also everybody probably struggles with this at some point or another. I think the first thing I think of is like success to me is like happiness and like what makes you happy. And a lot of times, like we'll go down a road of like, you know, more money is going to make me happy and it inevitably doesn't, at least for me. So I think I have, especially now having a son uh, and how my world has really changed. I think the thing that jumps out to me, especially is like success to me is a good balance between like all the different phases or different facets of my life, like work, family, and self. It's like if all three of those things are in a good balance and like one's not overtaking the other two or whatever it is, yeah. like I'm happy. And that to me is success. It's like, and it doesn't matter which one it is. It's like if I'm too busy at work and my family and I, I'm not able to get out for a run for a full week. Like my wife will tell you, I'm like not a happy person to be around. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just making sure that like, you know, whatever you've got going on, you're making time for those different things that will keep you in balance and keep you in check and ultimately lead, you know, happiness and, and success. I think that's I, where I would go. I think that's a perfect answer. Uh, like my wife and I would chat and now, you know, with the baby on the way, like obviously certain things that uh, work, life like some things could just annoy you and you get like worked up over it and then like something happened i figured, I figured it was a couple of weeks ago and we just looked at each other we're like this literally doesn't matter 
Like there's like three or four things in your entire life that really matter, you know, like family, friends, finance, like work, like whatever, fitness, like that's it. Like this literally does not make a difference in my life ever. Like Mm -hmm. why am I getting so worked up over it? And I think, I don't know, COVID has kind of highlighted that for me personally. Like there's a few things that are actually important and you get drum up, you know, you get, you get caught up in certain things that just really are insignificant. So I think that's a perfect answer, man. Spencer, thanks for hopping on Boston's Best, man. It was, it was a blast chatting with you about Atomic and I uh, can't wait for the episode to come out. Yeah, hell yeah, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive, and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.